Hello and welcome to episode two of the Herbert Smith Freehills M&A podcast. My name's Cam Jamshidi. I'm a senior associate in the mergers and acquisitions team at HSF. And I'm joined this morning by Sam Kings. Welcome, Sam. Thanks, Cam. My name's Sam Kings, and I'm also a senior associate in the HSF mergers and acquisitions team. Now, Sam, today we're going to be talking about hostile takeover bids. This is what you and I live for getting in the trenches with a target board, defending against an unsolicited bid, and trying to maximise shareholder value. Yeah, most definitely, Cam. Hostile deals are great to work on. They show the importance of target boards acting as a gatekeeper, and they throw up a lot of really interesting issues to ever, for everyone to work through. They're usually dynamic and multifaceted, and the boards and everyone else need to think really critically about the levers available to them to maximise shareholder value. Agree with that, Sam. And 2017 saw the emergence of a few really interesting hostile takeover bids. First of all, in January, we had the Simic-McMahon transaction, and then things escalated to the Downer Spotless deal, which was very interesting. Yeah, there were a lot of great deals in 2017. Before we jump into those, I'll just give a quick overview of, of what we looked at. As per the last few years, we've done a really deep dive on hostile takeover bids in 2017 and managed to identify a number of what we think are some really interesting trends. When we looked at the various deals, we considered all bids that were not supported by recommendation from the target board at the outset as being hostile takeover bids, effectively any announced unsolicited bids. By value terms, the vast majority of bids and deals continue to be recommended following the traditional path of a confidential approach by a bidder, then due diligence, and then announcement of an agreed deal. However, hostile bids represent a significant part of the market by sheer number of transactions, with about a third of all announced deals being hostile takeover bids. Although most of these deals are at the smaller end of the market, there were some examples in 2017 of some quite large hostile takeover bids. These included the Downer and Spotless deal, which Cam, you've already touched on, NWH's $520 million bid for Generation Healthcare REIT, and Capital Health's $350-odd million bid for Integral Diagnostics, which Cam, as you know, we've got a role acting for Integral Diagnostics on that deal. All up, we assessed there to be 20 hostile bids announced in 2017, five of which are still current. Perhaps the most active of those is the Capital Health Integral deal. The trends we're going to touch on today are consistent with what we've seen in previous years, but we did identify a number of what we think are pretty intriguing developments in the last year or so that send some very powerful messages to target boards. Yeah, agree with that, Sam. So to flag for listeners at the outset, we're going to be touching on, one, the power of target board recommendations. Two, the fact that those recommendations can often overcome a pre-bid stake. Three, the use of independent experts' report in supporting the recommendation. And four, one of those interesting developments you were talking about, Sam, and and that is the emergence of shareholder intention statements to support uh, a, a target board's recommendation. We'll finish up by talking about competing bids and alternative transactions and how they maximise value for shareholders. So launching straight into it, in 2017, again, we saw the power of the the board's recommendation. No takeover bid was successful, 
without at some stage being recommended by the target board. Conversely, every time a target board rec- eventually recommended the bid in hostile situations, the takeover was successful. So what we're seeing is that target boards and their recommendation has a lot of sway with shareholders and is often critical to, to securing a successful outcome for a bidder. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it, Cam? It really just does highlight how much influence target boards have and I guess it's it's nice to think that the statistics we've looked at validate what a lot of people working in the M&A sphere have probably thought anecdotally over the last few years. Yeah, definitely agree, Sam. And as you know, we often tell target boards, your recommendation has a value. And again, we were proven right on this point with two instances where target boards were able to successfully negotiate a higher price in exchange uh, for a favourable recommendation. In the first instance, the target achieved an 11% uplift in the bid price, and in the second instance, a 3%. And keep in mind, that's on top of an existing premium on, on market trading prices. Now, interestingly, the one instance in 2017 where a target board effectively wasn't given the opportunity to trade its recommendation for a higher price was the downer spotless situation, where soon after Spotless released its reject target statement, the downer, uh, downer decided to declare its bid as final in the absence of a superior proposal, effectively cro- closing the door on a price increase in exchange for a favourable recommendation and really removing one of the key levers that the Spotless board had. I must say that Downer was put in a pretty tough, must have been a pretty tough decision for Downer. They had effectively already done the capital raising to support the cash price. Uh, and if they weren't successful, there was that big question mark as to well, what do they do with the proceeds. Now, what I find quite interesting is the second theme we've taken away, Sam, and that is that pre-bid stakes are no bar to a successful defence. In 12 of the 20 hostile situations we looked at, the bidder had at least 10% of the target, effectively serving as a blocking stake for any takeover bid. In only one of those instances was the bid successful without a favourable board recommendation. That was the spotless example we talked about. So what we're seeing is the target board recommendation is actually more powerful than a large pre-bid stake. Now, I can think of two instances where the first bidder was actually forced to sell out of its pre-bid stake because it wasn't able to secure a favourable recommendation. Yeah, thanks, Ken. One of the other levers available to target boards is the use of independent experts reports. And 2017 showed that these can be a useful tool for the board to support their recommendation. In 13 of the 20 hostile takeover bids, an independent experts report was commissioned by the target board or alternatively the board said it would commission an experts report. In six of the 20, an expert report was not used and in one, the target directors haven't yet announced their intentions. In nine of the 11 reports available, the expert concluded that the offer was neither fair nor reasonable. In each of those cases, the target board recommended that shareholders reject the bid. This led to an increase in four of those instances that on average increased the initial bid price by 17%. Plus, it led to a rival bidder emerging in one of those deals. There were two bids 
where the expert concluded that the original offer was fair and reasonable, and both of these bids were recommended and, in the end, both successful. Cam, I really think this demonstrates the value that shareholders place on independent experts' reports and why it's important for boards to carefully consider using them if they deem an offer to be undervalued. Yeah, it's a good point, Sam. And the interesting one last year was, of course, again, down at Spotless, where the Spotless board decided not to engage an independent expert to support its statements that the Downer bid undervalued Spotless. And uh, Downer actually took Spotless to the panel in that instance, arguing that the target board couldn't support a, a, an undervalued statement without an independent expert's report. Now, the panel dismissed that, um, but I must say it's, I think it, it, it's an interesting question for target boards as to whether or not they engage the independent expert. And certainly our research suggests that it can be a useful tool in supporting the board recommendation. Shareholder intention statements is another interesting tactic that target boards can use to improve the position for their shareholders. There were five takeovers announced in 2017 where target boards managed to get shareholders to make public statements that they intended to reject the bid. Now, Cam, as you know, these statements are obviously binding on those shareholders under the truth in takeovers policy and essentially what they enabled the target board to do is to justify their position or help to justify their position that the offer is is insufficient in each case where those shareholder intention statements were used by the target board excluding those that are ongoing which are two the bids were unsuccessful on average these intention statements were for from holders who held 32% of shares. I think this just really demonstrates that if there is support and the target board has, has caucused its shareholders, then it can be a very useful tool. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Sam? I mean, we've certainly grown accustomed to bidders using those shareholder intention statements to build support. Now, it's nice that last year we saw target boards getting on the front foot and trying to canvas that support early uh, to, to reject or block a takeover. So Sam, we've spent a lot of time focusing on the shield, if you like, how a target board can defend. Let's look at some of the tactics used uh, as a sword to maximise shareholder value. Again this year, we saw that the procurement of a rival bid is one of the biggest tactical advantages that a target board can have uh, in a takeover, hostile takeover situation. And Hunter Hall was a really good example of this. Of course, in January, we saw um, 20% of, of the company change hands at a dollar, well below the share, the market share price, uh, with a commitment for a, a further 25% to be accepted to a takeover bid or voted in favour of the scheme in the absence of a superior proposal. So basically, 45% of the company, in the absence of the superior proposal, um, was going to support a takeover bid at a dollar. Um, thankfully, the target board of Hunter Hall was able to secure a rival bidder uh, and try and raise the offer price by way of auction. And they successfully did that, getting the rival, getting the bidding war up to $2.60 before an alternative transaction was put to shareholders. So it, it just shows you that to go from a dollar a share offer price up to $2.60, it's a, it's a significant value creating tool with only an, an additional bidder emerging. 
Now, I think what we've seen over the last few years is that competing bids are probably on the decline. Um, and I think that's due to a number of factors. Probably the most powerful is the fact that bidders continue to prefer to engage with targets confidentially, uh, do their due diligence, and then target boards are reviewing their options in terms of a competing bids behind closed doors. Uh, that's partly due to the preference of bidders in engaging with targets, but it's also partly due to the emergence of pretty tight exclusivity provisions that limit the ability of target boards to uh, to flush out a rival bid once they agree to recommend uh, an approach by a bidder. Now, with that in mind, competing bids are not the only lever, Sam, that the targets have available to them. And this year we saw uh, some pretty interesting alternative transactions. Yeah, that's right, Cam. I think perhaps with a bit of a decrease in recent years in the number of competing bids, target boards have had to consider other options available to them. And as you flagged, one of those is to put an alternative transaction to their shareholders. This essentially gives target shareholders a choice between the two transactions. And in 2013, we saw three instances where after receiving a hostile bid, target boards took alternative transactions to their shareholders for consideration. The Hunter Hall example Cam, you flagged earlier, is is perhaps the most interesting of the three. Uh, In the midst of the fight for Hunter Hall, Hunter Hall announced that it had entered into an agreement to buy all of the shares in Pengana Capital. Importantly, the consideration for those shares would be shares in Hunter Hall. So it was a script deal. The deal was subject to Hunter Hall shareholder approval due to the fact that shareholders in Pengana Capital would end up with more than 20% of Hunter Hall. And so shareholders in Hunter Hall were effectively given a choice between accepting the takeover or voting in favour of the merger. This merger ended up being approved by Hunter Hall shareholders and the valuation under the, the merger resulted in Hunter Hall shareholders receiving a 225% value wow. increase Yeah, compared to the initial takeover bid. So a completely different transaction structure, but you know certainly indicative of the the value available in in some instances where that can be can be utilised. And I think Cam, that's a great example of you know the board being backed into a pretty difficult position and, and managing to come up with an all a value accretive transaction that that really creates a great outcome for shareholders. Yeah, it's inspirational for target target boards. Sam, the other example. Cam was Simic's bid for McMahon. As I'm sure many people would know, Simic's been a very active and very successful acquirer in the Australian market over the last few years. Traditionally, Simic has been pretty aggressive and efficient in its use of bid tactics. But despite these things, the McMahon board was able to successfully procure an alternative deal with the White Knight, which resulted in control not passing to Simic and managed to ensure shareholder value was retained. Again, shareholders were given a vote on this deal, which is really important from a shareholder empowerment perspective. Agree with that, Sam. And the McMartin board did very, very well, and I think Simic ended up selling that stake. So it shows you just how successful they were in their defence tactic. 
So we should summarise the key lessons uh, from 2017, and I think there are some really good takeaways. First and foremost, we continue to see that being prepared and having an active takeover defence plan is critically important for the target board's response. Secondly, we've seen the very important role that boards play as gatekeeper for unsolicited approaches. And if the value proposed by a bidder doesn't meet fundamental value, they shouldn't be afraid to stand there and, and use their recommendation appropriately. Yeah, and the value point's very important, Cam. Being able to easily and, and quickly explain the value of their company to shareholders, an independent expert, and the, and the market generally is very important. Canvassing major shareholders and using shareholder intention statements if their support for the board's position has been shown to be very effective. And also being selective with the use and timing of the board recommendation and potentially using that recommendation as a bargaining tool for an increased offer price from the bidder. Yeah, and I guess the other point is independent experts report. We see that they do have value, they do have serve a, a, an important purpose in supporting the board's recommendation. Um, so boards should really think carefully about whether or not to engage the expert. Um, in terms of value creation in these hostile transactions, proactively soliciting rival bids and also considering alternative transactions that can be value creative are really important at this critical juncture in a company's history. Yeah, both the sword and the shield can. Correct, Sam, correct. Well, Sam, thanks so much for your time. I've enjoyed your insights. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Really enjoyed the chat. Looking forward to the next instalment in the HSF M&A podcast. Indeed. Until next time. Bye for now. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.